0: This is the Visionary Founders Podcast, helping founders to activate their biggest visions, create extraordinary lives and businesses, and to make a difference in the world. I'm Lisa Mitchell, and I'll be sharing everything you need to lay the foundations and growth to create a legacy. In this show, you'll learn the practical and profound changes to making yourself and your business to have the impact you desire, because you are a Visionary Founder. So welcome to this episode and I am delighted today to have Sian Fernandez Wong as a guest on the podcast. Um Sian and I have known each other for a few years going back to um days at Netaporte group and she's a fabulous female founder which I am um, all like particularly passionate about passionate about all founders but particularly female founders so welcome Sian. Thank you very much I'm so pleased to be here and thank you for having me and so
1: lovely to see you now have your own podcast because as you said it's um we've known each other for a number of years and and uh, so great to see this being so successful
0: for you. Thank you I appreciate that women letting women rise right we all rise together that's one of my philosophies So let me tell you guys a little bit about Sian. So Sian is the co-founder and CEO of Cocoon, and she oversees all business activity there and is really focused on leading her team to build the circular solution for luxury handbag lovers. And I'm going to get Sian to tell us a bit more about that. She's also got over 20 years of proven experience at the forefront of the retail and media sectors, including seven years at the Ness Porte Group. And Sian has always been involved with businesses that disrupt and challenge the trends. So she's now focused on paving the way for a circular fashion future, promoting access and experience. So I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about your story, Siân, and just a little bit about your background and how you came to be doing this thing called Cocoon, and then we'll explain what it is.
1: Certainly. So as you said, I've spent 20 years in in the industry with a big focus on digital, and the majority of that has been in the fashion tech space. And for me, the the thing that uh, one of the threads that runs throughout my career was this idea of building things. So a number of businesses, you know, whether it is back in 2005, I built Ted Baker's e-commerce website, you know, really early days to being part of the founding team for the Artnet and building that business up over the course of the seven years that I was there, and um, to being at SDR Collective, which is was still very much in scale-up mode when I was there, and now Cocoon. And so a circular fashion, sustainability, trying to do something that was um, – <laughs> A bit better for the planet and could ease my conscience certainly was important to me. But also I knew at this point that in coming into this business after having spent two years at Vestia Collective and I was traveling between London and Paris weekly while I was there, that I wanted to do something that in the immediate was focused on the UK um, so I could be here. But also that continued to change and disrupt and, and do something new. And, and ultimately I knew that with the next whether it was role or business or you know that I was going to take on, I wanted it to be something that I was in the driving seat of and, and um and running something which I felt at this point I was ready to do. Yeah.
0: So described as what what is this circular? Model, just describe people what that is.
1: Certainly. So, when we talk about a circular model um, in fashion, and certainly when it comes to sustainability, circular models are where essentially rather than an item having a linear lifespan, it has a continuous lifespan. And so, for us, rental offers that opportunity because it allows consumers to be able to use a product, return it, use something else. And it really extends the overall life cycle of a handbag and make sure that. For the time that a bag is used, it's being used continuously. It also means that consumers can uh, be more mindful with their purchases and, their, and how they're tapping into fashion because ultimately, we don't need to buy everything mm. and ultimately, we don't need to tap into fast fashion. So this gives consumers a much more affordable way of tapping into luxury and ultimately, For the vast majority of luxury products and certainly the handbags that we work with, they are well made, the craftsmanship is theirs, durable, well designed. The fabrics themselves are um, made to last. So you're looking at product that is essentially going to be able to talk to that idea of circularity a lot more.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And this is a big, you know, this is a big conversation within the fashion industry isn't it and I think within the industry and also just for individuals you know I'm a lover of fashion (laughs) and you know it's balancing that guilt isn't it of like do I need any more clothes or any more shoes probably not right but I still get that desire.
1: Exactly and you know I think more so now after most of us have spent the better part of 18 months in various stages of lockdown We want to be able to express ourselves. The desire for beautiful things Mm. is so much part of human nature and the desire to express yourself. And that's a a part of fashion that I love so much, that idea that, you know, the creativity and the art that goes with it and the idea of how you can pull that together and style and all of that. And so there is this idea that sometimes there is a bit of a juxtaposition of those ideas and how do you make that work? Because ultimately there is this idea that we need to continue growing. And certainly every business I've ever worked on, is all about how much can you grow as a business and, and versus this idea that, we should be tapping into less product. So yeah. how do you buy less but better? How do you um, be more mindful but still be able to express yourself? And so that it's bringing those two ideas um, together in a way that allows people to just be more mindful with their purchases. We're not perfect, and I think that is something that obviously we need to still evolve on because we haven't figured it all out. And, and that's fine. And I think even businesses that are far more established than we are are still figuring out to a certain extent. So there's a huge amount of opportunity for improvement. However, just having that mission of trying to do better in everything that you do and everything that you approach is really important. And so that's what we try and bring to kick in.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And we talked, you know, we were having a chat last week, weren't we? And we talked about what I call the visionary essence. So what's the thing that runs through? If you look at your career and all the pieces that you've done, what? and I'm already getting a feel of it anyway, but what's the sense of kind of the the purpose, the why that runs behind this journey for you?
1: The purpose for me is... And the why that for me is, is I think it, it brings three threads together. One, as I mentioned, that idea of building things. And it's something mm. that's really important to me Two, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a rebel by nature. Like it's just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I I don't like to toe the line of the status quo. I'm very curious. I'm very much someone who questions why things are being done. And so, If there's an opportunity to do something different or better or challenge or whatever, that's a space I personally feel very comfortable in and I really enjoy doing that. And and that's something that's also been a, a thread. And then the third thing is this idea of, you know, after 20 years of selling stuff to people, how can I continue on everything that I built up with in my career, but do it in a way that is less harmful overall to the planet, you know, and I think that is something that we really need to all be focusing on a lot more. But when you bring those three things together, it becomes this idea of that's to me where Cocoon sits. And and ultimately this is a new niche. We are building a new business idea and, and we're not the only business doing this, but certainly, um, One of the front runners, and say, how do we change people's minds and get them to see a new way of consuming? And so, with all of that, bringing those three things together is ultimately how I see my my why. Yeah,
0: and I love that because I always feel like if you're doing something that you're really going to make success at it's a combination of the personal and the business, isn't it? Mm. So it feels like, you know, your desire to build, your desire to be a rebel, your desire to bring something new into the world is then married with this need in the world, which is for sustainability. And, you know, this ongoing wake-up call that fashion's been having, I guess, to be more responsible, to not pollute the planet, all of those things.
1: Exactly. And, and sustainability in fashion is hard. And we have different customers come to us for different reasons and ultimately we hope that every single one of them is coming to us because sustainability and circularity is at the forefront for them and sometimes it is and sometimes it's not and I think ultimately if we can convince every single one of our customers to not just make these sorts of choices within and how they're consuming handbags and and, the, and their that side of things. But ultimately to really think through how they are consuming overall, that to me would be a, a really big win. And so that's the start of the journey. And I think you also need to think about how that applies to you because it doesn't mean that just because you rent handbags, you need to go and rent everything else in your closet, right? It's really thinking through how you apply that mindset because ultimately there will be absolutely some things you want to buy and really apply that buy less, buy better, really know which items in your wardrobe are going to be there forever, right? You know, the sort of things that you're going to want to wear in 10, 20 years' time or you want to pass that down to your daughter, the things that and everything else you need to really think about how you consume that better. And so that's, part of
0: this whole journey yeah and 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 it's interesting isn't it when you talk about being a rebel and being curious and wanting to create different that that's kind of my definition of being a visionary it's kind of creating something that doesn't exist yet and one of the conversations we were having the other day was actually about you've had people tell you this is a bad idea right or it's not going to work (laughs) (laughs) which is universally the experience of visionary founders I think isn't that true Exactly. I think, you know, ultimately it
1: started off and, and my business partner Matt, he um, he and I met and he said, Oh, I've got this idea and I was like, you know, ran through it and and I'm quite good you know, at playing devil's advocate and finding all the holes. And so I did that myself when I was analysing the opportunity and seeing if, you know, this idea I had legs because rental was something I'd been interested in for a long time and, and had been sort of looking into in various stages. And so ran through, you know, all the ideas. There were some things that were really important to me that I said, we have to do it in this way. And great. And then, you know, off we went and, and started building up this business. And When I sat down and we said, okay, you know, what's the vision and and what do we need and what's it going to take? And we started talking about fundraising and how much money we'd need. Great. Good. Start going to speak to people. Honestly, a lot of people just go don't understand right yeah. don't understand why would women want to rent handbags and I sat there in so many of these meetings where invariably it's a man telling you what a woman does and doesn't want um which is frustrating at all no you know which which you know and I uh, and luckily I've got quite thick skin and so I was like fine but it really reminded me of what Natalie Massiner used to say from her early days when she was launching Netaporte and how many times she'd go and she'd think, Well, I'm gonna build a business that sells handbags some that sells luxury clothes on the internet. And everybody looked at her like, Are oh, you crazy lady? Right. <laughs> and so, you know, that stuck with me, that idea of you've just got to tune out the people that are going to tell you it's a bad idea. Yes. Yeah but you can only do that if you truly have conviction in your idea yourself, because yes. it is hard. You know, the, it's hard and there's hard times and there's lonely times. And there are times when you're going to think, are we going to, you know, get this over the nine? Are we going to close this next fundraise? All of those things very part for the course, right? And so part of that is just really having that conviction and just having belief and, and you've got to figure out how you get to that stage. For me personally, it's about belief in idea and also a certain amount of rigor in terms of believing that and figuring out how to get from A to B. You know, I don't need to know every single level le- uh, level below that, but really clear of like this is how we're going to get from A to B because that's going to be really key because if it was easy everybody would be doing it right
0: yeah and so yeah and you know, I, I think it's a blessing curse of being a founder and being a visionary is that you know most people will not get it and it's not an easy ride because in a way you're you're creating a new market, aren't you? and you have to create momentum around that and have enough people that get it that you can start to build it. But it is a bit of a leap of faith at the beginning, right that this idea that doesn't exist will have legs. Exactly.
1: and and so there is that leap of faith and and I think it comes back to this idea of oh ideas are easy, right in a way. You know, lots of people have them. You can probably say that's a very good idea. 15 to 20 people have had them along the way, right? But the key difference is around two things. One, it's taking action on that idea and taking the first step and going, right, I have this idea. How do I get it from idea to, you know, sitting down and writing that business plan or, you know, starting to sort of pitch it somewhere. Yeah. And then the next step is actually having a view on how you're going to execute it because plenty of great ideas, plenty of people who can come in and go, oh yeah, I know I'm going to do X. But ultimately the key difference is going to be on whether you can execute, how you can execute, and can you do it with the odds stacked against you, right? Because building a startup is around having quite a lot of how many, you know, in the early days, so many people told me how many startups failed, right? Like that number would get quite... People love to do that, don't they? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like, um, <laughs> okay, you're <a> helping here, <laughs> you know, and, and sure, fine. Yes, yeah, startups fail. But I think it's really around, so whatever your process is, for me, it's 80% figuring it out, 20% leap of faith, right? Mm-hmm. I know other people are like, have the opposite ratio, you know, wherever your comfort level is. But it's then taking that idea and applying it with hard work and determination to get that execution because, you know, you might get a small little fundraise, you know, like a small amount of people might go, it's great, sure, you sound like an intelligent visionary person, I'll give you a small amount of money, but it's the next part after that that is, I think, incredibly hard because then you start to, you have to, A, put your money where your mouth is, you know, you've really got to show and show you can deliver and then continue doing that over time, which I think is
0: one of the harder things to do. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think, I think it's the activation and the action, isn't it? And there's so often, I think, as human beings, we have an idea about something. And I hear this all the time from people I coach of like, Oh, so I'll do it when I've got the money, or I'll do it when the kids go to school, or I'll do it when X, Y, and Z happens, when I've done the course, when I've got enough experience, whatever. When the reality is, you just have to kind of get going somewhere, right? And have enough of an execution. And the other thing I love about what you said is, you know, that it's not the same path for everybody. You know, you're a certain type of character, you find your level of confidence in a certain way. And so for somebody else, that might be different. So it isn't like, follow my route, do this thing. It's saying, find your way of doing it
1: yeah and and exactly and I think you know Lisa one of the things that I learned when we worked together for the first time around is I remember I mean I think it was what 2010 2011 and I was at that point running a department and rapid growth and hiring people and you know teams doubling in size and all that kind of crazy stuff. And I was at that point losing my mind a little bit because of the rates of growth, because of the pressure, because our business was growing at the rate of knots and and just going, how do I do this? And I turned to my HR business partner and I was a bit like, I don't know what I'm doing. Everybody wants my job. And she went, "Well, I think Sian that's because you've basically hired yourself and everybody in your team." And I was And <laughs> oh, <laughs> that like, one, oh. yeah. And that one, you know, hiring really like ambitious, driven individuals for every single role in my team is probably not a not the best idea. But what I really learned during that time and that time that we all worked together was this idea of how to, A, figure out what your skills are, what your weaknesses are, how to assess that in other people that you're working with and therefore how you can adapt to them and also adapt, you know, because this whole idea of good day, bad day and the things that you default to when you're tired and overworked and how do you solve for that? And so in... Cocoon. I would say, when I look around my team, I have one person that's a very similar profile to me, right? And and sometimes it's really easy because we can slip into a very comfortable way of working. And I have other people in my team who are complete opposites, right? And it's really neither of those are better or worse. It's just different. And so when you are trying to figure out your leadership or entrepreneurial journey, big thing that I would say is try and figure out who you are and what your strengths and weaknesses are and then figure out how you are going to work with those because ultimately you need to know how to balance that out you need to know what a bad day is going to look like for you you need to know what kind of people you need to hire into your team because if you're sitting there going oh I'm just going to hire everybody it's like me when it gets really hard you need to be able to go right I need this support. And so when I look at the team now, one of the key roles I'm trying to hire in is somebody who can essentially work around all my weaknesses, mm. because that's the area that I need. I need help with that. And it's not about the fact that I feel that there's weakness around that. It's just that we've all got skills, we've all got weaknesses. Let's, you know, you've got to figure out how you're going to build this thing rather than sitting and spinning in a circle, trying to do something you're not good at.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I'm always, I'm always so interested working with founders and people, those rebels and you know, yeah. type of character, because, you know, I really think that being a founder is one of the biggest personal development journeys you can ever do, because there are times where you're going to be really pushed to the edge. There are times when you have to keep your level of self-belief. And there are times when you have to kind of upgrade your own identity as this thing continues right so and as it builds and grows so what, what's been your biggest kind of challenges personally in this journey would you say?
1: Oh uh, I think that's there's a lot around that and I think you know as luck would have it all of that has been coupled with COVID as <laughs> you're going through this personal journey that we've all been on just with our lives changing so much i think for me i've tried to learn how to be less impulsive you know and and when i am you know at that point where as um someone who's both visionary and in that director frame so somebody who's very much about be there be bright be gone and someone who's also all about the ideas i and therefore can speak before they think. I've really tried to not do that. So there's a lot of times when I type a message out, put my phone down, go for a walk around the block, come back. Don't do that again. Um, so that's been something. The other thing is just perseverance, and it just happens to be that I'm not great at quitting. Mm. Um, and so therefore I can still hear my mother's voice in my head going you're not allowed to quit Mm. (laughs) you know that was in relation to maths trigonometry and the rest but it's really (laughs) still still there (laughs) it's still there (laughs) but you know so this idea of just pushing through and I think that's been key the other thing has been it's a weird thing because I went out recently and I saw um, a bunch of friends that I hadn't seen for most of the pandemic. And they all started talking to me about work and going, oh, I see your business. And I was like, this is so weird. I don't know. Like, I never have these sorts of conversations with certain friends where they we talk about, you know, and so being able to own that. And I went away and I was like, oh, I, I don't know how to put that together because social me is quite different to business me right Mm. and and so this idea of, of how do I be both of those people has been something that I'm still figuring out the other thing is with the past 18 months that we've had and how hard it is I think finding time to take a break giving your team that space too has been really interesting I think the other thing for me is you know how to really not be so hard on yourself, mm. like this idea of, you know, I, I am a perfectionist, and it's, you know, I have um I put the most pressure on myself and 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 being able to dial that down has been really important. And then being comf- comfortable with being really uncomfortable. Yeah. you know, it is 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 key. And I think, going back to your point of like, one of the biggest things for me is I always have a plan and I always know how to get there. And I've always had this idea of, I know that in certain businesses, I can absolutely do X, Y, and Z. And it's really clear and it's not easy, but you know, I've been doing this for a long time versus in this business, there are so many things that are completely unknown Mm. and things that you have in your wheelhouse that have usually work haven't or not that they haven't worked it's just there is no playbook and so therefore you've got to have a lot more belief that things will follow And this idea of allowing momentum to carry you is really really key yeah you know that idea and so that for me has been a big professional growth area and just being comfortable in the unknown because you know before that i I wouldn't be able to operate within that. Even when I've got a much smaller team now than I have, you know, probably for the past well over 10 years, but um, being comfortable in that unknown has just been a big thing for me.
0: Yeah. And I, I really love that. And it is interesting, isn't it? That I think in the pandemic, What I found talking to lots of different people is that, you know, it was a very confronting time personally for most people, and that you had no distractions. You know, you couldn't go out, you couldn't see friends, you couldn't travel. I know for some people I work with who travel a lot with business, suddenly it's like, oh, so I don't get to travel, so I don't have that to do. And I'm at home, and maybe work slowed down a bit, or maybe you're under way more pressure. I think it went one of two ways. But that ability to deal with the unknown actually, even if you just take the pandemic as an example, I feel like more and more the future is uncertain. And I don't mean that in a kind of like, that sounds a bit catastrophic. (laughs) I don't mean it that way, but you know, none of us know what the next, I mean, who knows what 2022 is going to look like, right? None of us can predict that. And so it's been a personal journey for a lot of people, I think. Absolutely. And, you know,
1: one of my, you know, just such an example, one of the the team called me up and said, a friend that I had dinner with, last night has just told me she's tested positive for COVID. She's slightly she has some anxiety anyway. And so she was like, you know, I could tell she was really stressed out about this. And I was like, you know what? Why the wave? Because when you I had COVID back in January and you sit there and one of the hardest things about that is, am I going to be fine or am I going to be a sick person? Mm -hmm. Right. And a sick, like there's so many shades in between that and you just don't know. And there's nothing you can do about it. Literally nothing, right? Yeah. You can take your paracetamol and you can take your vitamin C, but truly how much is that really going to impact, you know, if you're truly going to get sick, right? And so it's just a wave you have to ride and you just have to surrender yourself into what is going to happen. And there's... There is, you cannot fight it. And so taking that, and I said that to her and she said, oh, wow, thank you. That's so helpful. But you just have to get comfortable with not being able to control things Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. accepting that, you know, this is what I can control. And it goes back to that point where people can change what you can and forget about the rest because there's just limited time, limited energy, focus on what you can impact.
0: And be kind to yourself. I think that was the other thing I was hearing from you is, you know, I don't think you start up a business unless you've got a level of ambition and drive. You know, it's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> You'll still be working for some big organisation. Yeah. And again, it's the positive and negative of that, isn't it? That that ambition and drive is awesome to get something going, but it can also mean that you, yeah. you know, we're, we're mums to similar age kids, right? Like relatively young girls. And so there is also that balance. Have you found that kind of like, you know, being a mom, you know, your personal life, the business, how's all that been? So that's,
1: that's a really interesting question. Cause as i mentioned before cocaine, I'd been working at Vestia Collective, which is a phenomenal company. And, you know, before that I was at Kate Spade, which also required a lot of travel. And before that, Net you know, which also required a lot of travel. And so whilst travel and, and quite full-on jobs, have been with me when my daughter, when I was at vestiaire my daughter effectively would not sleep the night before I was traveling mm. and I'd go Monday morning and she'd normally wake up at 5.00 AM when I was leaving the house and then she wouldn't sleep the day I got back and she'd basically just want to lie on top of me. And it was becoming quite challenging because she was too young to really express how she was feeling. Mm. And she since, found the words. And she tells me how much she hated me traveling. And so this time around, um, I'm fortunate that our office is close enough to where I live so I can walk. Um, And it's quite close to a school too. So I have that balance. I want people to think they can have a life. You know, everybody in, in my team works incredibly hard, but I want them to know that You know, if they message me and saying, oh my goodness, yeah, I can, tomorrow's, I've got an emergency appointment at the hairdresser and the next one's in two months time. Can I? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. You know, or um, it's my daughter's school play. That idea of the fact that you have a boss breathing down your neck, Mm. you feel bad because you left the office an hour early or two hours early. It's so far beyond my personal belief system that I want because I I know everybody at cocoon works incredibly hard and puts in you know more time and and whether they wherever they work from and I want that to be clear but I also want my daughter comes into the office I bring my dog into the office I wanted to feel yeah um as though there is a clear understanding that we're working as part of our lives right and not, it shouldn't be the only thing in our life. And, and yeah. that uh, I don't think that makes me any less ambitious or any less committed, but it also means that, you know, you're juggling a ton of stuff <laughs> on the side, right, <laughs> when you're a parent. And I think, you know, there's a certain amount you don't talk about that because... There's, uh, you know, people might think you're less committed and all that kind of nonsense. But also, if you told everybody what you had to do as a parent, I think people would stop having (laughs) kids.
0: and and also I think you can't understand it either until you're a parent do you know what I mean it was like you know we're we're, we're moving house on Friday so in two days time and I was on the phone yesterday my daughter was like oh I'm gonna just do something while you're on the phone I mean I said okay so the only room without chaos was our living room and when I came down she built this enormous tent (laughs) teepee (laughs) thing so that I couldn't even walk in the room and I was like huh that was the one room. That was like, <laughs> I had any sanity in it in this whole, you know, and and I had sort of had a moment again of like just catching my breath of like because she really wanted me to admire the TP and it was an awesome teepee. It wasn't quite what uh, I was kind of expecting. I was coming down uh, to so, you know, it's those funny things, isn't it, where we're constantly on that. But but again, I think you know this whole last mm. eighteen months has made people realise that I don't want to like give up my life for work. You know, even if I'm passionate about my work, which I know you and I both are, I don't want to miss out on years of my daughter's life. I'm just not prepared to do that. And. Mm. I think that sense of priorities and whole life perspective has come much more into relief in the last. I mean, I, I think just this, you know, being at home on on Zooms and seeing somebody's kid wandering in the background or their dog yeah. bark or, you know, it's broken down some of that professional nonsense from before, hasn't it? You know?
1: Exactly. And I think also, you know, it goes back to this idea of trust, because yeah. ultimately I was just as I was walking in and, and getting set up, I saw something about employers and trusting remote workers and I thought that is so bizarre to me because Mm. ultimately if you cannot trust someone to work remotely then they don't really belong in your organization and to me people working remotely is not about trust in any way shape or form it's really about connection Mm. spending time with people mentoring getting them making them feel part of something and figuring out how do you encourage casual, random conversation that sparks great yes, ideas exactly. and, and those sorts of things. And so, you know, I think this idea that we, if you're having to think about, you know, oh, I don't want to, yeah, absolutely, there will be people who don't want to travel into work. and And I think if you are going to work somewhere now, do that journey two or three times before you, commit to a job because one of the most challenging things is having someone come in and then go oh do you know it took me two hours to get to work today this is not nice I don't want to work here anymore because people will do that but likewise I think we also have to take response we have to take responsibility for what we're committing to Mm. because if you're going to sign up and you know go do a job make sure it's something that you're going to be happy to do yeah because life is too short, absolutely. you know, absolutely too short for us to be focusing on jobs we don't want to do or passion projects, or all those sorts of things.
0: So if you've got people listening, Sian, who are, who've got that idea or I just started up a business, or I think at one point they'd like to do it. what What's your kind of words of wisdom for those people, having been on the journey you've been on?
1: Words of wisdom for me are take the plunge, right? Sit down, write, you know, whether it's write a business plan it doesn't even need to be a business plan draw it out sketch it whatever you feel is the right thing make a start and then start reaching out to people honestly there's so many people who are so willing to help you know even if it's start thinking about how do you want them to help but I think one of the biggest challenges and certainly things that have stopped me previously is not knowing how to do that bit because good, smart ideas and, you know, then the next round will be thinking about funding. But if you can find firstly, just starting to hone that idea, there are organizations that you can reach out to that will help you. There are mentors and, and, you know, just generally look for people you admire on LinkedIn and think about, you know, do they have people in their network who you know, who can introduce you, all that sort of thing, but just make a start. And that is yeah. the key thing, because like I said, ideas are great, but if you don't do it, someone else will. Yeah. And so the yeah. sooner you can make a start, then off you go.
0: Yeah. And I think action has momentum in it, doesn't it? I think we can all sit and I can be guilty of this myself is trying to figure out all the steps, all the pieces before you actually set off. And I love what you were saying before about kind of having to go with the flow and ride the momentum, because the other thing I found as as an entrepreneur and a founder is that there are things that happen that I could never predict, that actually change the trajectory of what I'm doing and yeah. then you think, oh, my goodness, I would never have thought that we're going to do that or that th- I'm going in this direction. But it's amazing, you know. Exactly.
1: Well, exactly. And and here's the thing, because just to that point, and I can give two really great examples of when that happened. And, and one was just before the pandemic, I had someone reach out to me and send me an email and said, hey, by the way, I am. Um, Investor family business. I we made our money in fintech, and and we're looking to invest in Cocoon. And and actually, he ended up not investing. And and part of that was because of uh, the pandemic, but also somebody just gave him bad advice. But what that conversation did was made us take a step back and go, actually, we can get where we need to be much quicker if people are seeing this opportunity so quickly. Then we're probably speaking to the wrong people, and we need right. to think, take a step back, and you know, figure out how we're going to get there. Because there are people who get it. And the second thing is that you know, even with caring invested within the business, and and we were very fortunate that they very much saw the opportunity. And so when that ball started rolling, Matt and I would get off the phone off a call with them, and we'd go high five, like really excited, and. Whilst I always believed that moment would come and I took very specific steps in order to ensure that that moment would come. And part of that was ensuring that the environment was luxury and that we spoke to ensuring that when a luxury brand looked at what we were doing, we weren't going to offend them. And I've Mm -hmm. seen seen when luxury brands have been offended when you're not following luxury codes and all that sort of thing. And so we very much set out to make sure that we were from a positioning standpoint in the right space. And so whilst that was the vision and I knew that one day we would have a conversation like the one we did with caring because of it, it's allowing that space to happen. And I couldn't have said, okay, on this day, yeah. somebody's going to phone us and this is going to happen, right? But it's, to your point, it's allowing that momentum to flow through and that's what's going to be those magic moments as you
0: as yeah you yeah exactly And you know as I've said before one one of my friends will say you have to allow the universe to surprise and delight you you know have a plan take momentum take action but don't assume that's the only action you can take you know that there yeah. might be something else that you're generating that you can't possibly predict from your current yeah. kind of standpoint your current lens and that's the exciting bit in a way isn't it
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's being open to it because and and approaching things with a a viewpoint of you don't know it all, right? You haven't figured out every step and that great things can come your way. And and certainly um, I know of nobody who has been in a very closed mindset and framework who you know, who've had, who's had a wonderful opportunity to present themselves, you know, so many times people say, oh, I wasn't happy here or there. And so I started to think about what could be better. And then before, you know, it, somebody sent me an email and this happened. So it's about that whole point of allowing potential and opportunity to come your way is is so so true mm,
0: I love that that's a great point to end on is to allow possibility and potential to come your way yeah it's amazing so I know we could talk for hours Yeah, and we I think we've <laughs> actually been very disciplined in this conversation <laughs> I don't know there's at least 10
1: things that I haven't said that we were saying that we want to cover off but um, it will yeah. have
0: to be Another time. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do stage two. (laughs) But I really, you know, I really want these these podcasts to be accessible and for people to be able to have the time to listen because I know how busy we all are in modern life, right? So, but you've given us such great nuggets and I really appreciate you A, being on and B, being so open and transparent about your journey because that's where we learn from right that's where people get inspired when you've got somebody else a few steps ahead of you on the journey right yeah
1: well thank you so much for having me today Lisa love talking to you as always and I would say if anybody is listening that wants to start just as I said make a start but start reaching out to people because people love to help other people and that's something I didn't realize early enough
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sian. Can't wait to continue this conversation and we'll speak soon. Take care. Thanks, Lisa. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Visionary Founders Podcast with Lisa Mitchell. If you're a visionary founder and you're ready to up-level yourself and your business, connect with me at lisamitchell.co.uk forward slash connect.